Well, people, what is happening? I have to give a big shout out to Alan Philpott for setting this episode up. Alan, from time to time, will, will drop me a few names of people I should get on. And he recommended his coach, Barra. Barra is a great guest. He was very, very funny, very intelligent about his sport. Um, we talk about strike and we talk about his journey. We talk about working with Josh in the UFC. Um, we talk about his transition over to Australia. I get him to pick a few fights for me. It was just a real good episode and we're definitely going to have to do it again. Um, the week after, I'm going to drop an episode with Sam Alvey um, from the UFC. It's a, it's a real great episode. It was very, very short, basically... Long story short, um, we're going to do a full podcast and we're just going to cover like his life and stuff. But he had um, his tyre blew out in his car. So whenever the interview was arranged, he could only give me 10 minutes because he was a made me- mechanic. But we're going to hopefully run that back in, in, the, in the near future. So I've talked enough. So let's begin. Welcome to Josh Thomas. Well, mate, it's great to have you on. How's the form? How are you keeping? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Just came back from the gym. It's training. And yeah, I've been good, man. Back back to back to normal, I guess. Yeah, you were saying just back. off further that you're coming out of you're coming out of lockdown. So what's that been like yeah. the, last, the last what is it like a year and a half, two years now that, 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 that you've been in lockdown for? Or what's it been like? Yeah, I guess it, it, it gets a bit demotivating and it's a bit hard, especially with what we do. We always want to be, you know, active and and fighting because for some people, that's what they live off, you know. But um, it's been good to to sit back and and, and reevaluate things and, and see what we, we can work on for everything in life and, you know, as individuals, so. I t- I t- uh, it was harsh in the beginning, but with time, we uh, I adapted to it, which was good. Yeah, it's fighting is is one of those careers which there there is so much travel. Like there's so many different promotions, there's so many different fights that can be made. Especially the higher levels, you can go. You can really be fighting anywhere in the world, really. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's hard for like, for example, Josh and Alan if they get a fight somewhere else let's say if they get exemption the thing is what about their camp you know yeah <laughs> that's a situation that a lot of fighters from Australia New Zealand being getting hit with is they're not getting proper camps would you know much about Alan's one Alan's training partners from a long time ago it would have been Reese McKay no but I've, I've I follow him and I've followed him for a little bit Reese, yeah I haven't I had the, yeah, I haven't had the pleasure of having Reese on yet, but I was listening to one of the interviews that he was doing. So he had a fight in, in the UFC over like over lockdown really in Northern Ireland. And he was talking about like, you know, he wasn't allowed to train properly for part of it. He was training in his his living room and stuff. And it, it sort of I won't say it decreased his opportunity, like, but it definitely made it a lot harder for him. Because he was saying like he only had one one sparring partner, like he couldn't really train properly. He was training in his living room for a large yeah. part of it. Yeah, you can't you can't really grind with one person, right? You get comfortable after a few sessions with them. Yeah, yeah, you know? of course. You need bodies, and you need different, you know, scenarios, situations, different people, different styles. You know. 
he got a hard out run. Like I think his, his first fight on ten days notice was Kazmat. Yeah, I know. He got hit hard, eh? And that was that's a beast of a that's a beast of a man there. Yeah. So would you follow boxing yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. What did you think of the last I said the last month and a half, two months? So you had Joshua Uzik. What did you think of that? Oh, Usyk is just an amazing fighter, isn't he? Um, he's great, he's, yeah. He's, he's just an, a complete fighter. I mean, offensively and defensively. Yeah, I was listening he's, to his... He's, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, his, his IQ is just on another level. I was listening to his coach, or sorry, not his coach's promoter, and he was just like, mm-hmm. he's just a bigger version of Lomachenko. I hundred exactly. That's exactly what I said. The same thing. He's just an incredible fighter. That's the movement. The movement is so good. And and I thought, to be yeah. honest, I thought Joshua would have put it on him a wee bit more. I thought like Joshua sort of tried to tried to fight his but, game, you know, like box with him instead of trying to use his power more. But I think that's Usyk was never in front of him for Joshua to do that. Yeah. And and Joshua doesn't have enough, uh, doesn't have that footwork to be able to follow someone and and step with with Usyk. Yeah, it was you a know? good it was a good fight nonetheless. Um, so then we'll, we'll talk about a wee bit about Fury versus Wilder. Did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah. What do you think? That was a, yeah, that it was a great fight, but it was it was a dog fight. It, it, it kind of brought a bit more excitement to the heavyweight division, I reckon. Yeah, even not... though he, even though Wilder isn't, but this is the thing with Wilder, and what what I try and tell people is that yes, he might not be the greatest boxer, but that's what works for him. You know, that's what puts off good boxers. He's a very weird, unorthodox person to fight. It's that power he has as well. It's like one touch knockout power. Yeah, that right hand, and he and and for being that that for having that type of range, um, he throw, he can short he throws long right hands, short right hands. He's really good with it. So the, the result there then obviously was was Fury one. Um, I think yeah. I don't I don't know if Fury's next fight's going to be Dylan White or not because I think that's a mandatory. I love Dylan White. That's my favorite heavyweight. Is it? At the moment. Do you think he yeah. beats Fury? Man, he could. He, if it's someone that could box with Fury, it's Dylan White. So, would someone you, that could. Do you think he's the future of the heavyweight division then? Yeah, I would say because Usyk, even though he's great, he's just, he he's too little for someone like Fury, you know, for these other heavyweights. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What is Uzik? Uzik's about six three, maybe. Yeah, is 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 Tyson bigger than uh, Joshua? Yeah, I think Tyson Fury is yeah. like six feet nine, two hundred and sixty pounds or something ridiculous. Yeah, that's insane. That's a superhuman. Yeah, it's like it's he's he's such a weird shape as well. Like as his arms are so long, mm. and his movement, you wouldn't expect someone his size to move that well. Exactly. 
Mm, uh, no, I think I think Fury will reign for a little bit. He will have a few fights and and win. I think. So, if you were Tyson Fury's coach and he's coming into the fight with with Usyk, what what advice would you be giving him? With Usyk, yeah, that'll be the hard one. Keep him on the jab. He's he's got such a good jab. You know, set up the right hand. Long shots, I guess. Keeping Usi away. But Usi's so good at cutting angles, though. It's a hard one. Would have to sit down and, and, and really watch it and study it. I think what I think what, what's probably going to happen in the next few months is Joshua versus Usyk in a rematch. Let's say it mm. happens in England again. Um, then Fury versus Dylan White. And then probably the winners fight each other, I imagine. But then they've been trying to yeah. make that uh, Joshua versus Fury fight now for a very, very long time. Like, it just could never get seen to get across the line. I think that'll be this next smartest step for jo- uh, for Tyson, I reckon. Big, yeah. big money fight. That would be the mega fight. Yeah, I think now for Fury, it's just all about adding the, the legacy. Yeah. Exactly. So tell me a wee bit about... Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, 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 no. Sorry. So tell me a wee bit about, about your background. Tell me about how you grew up. What sort of led to you becoming a coach? Um, man, I'm, I'm from Sweden. I'm originally from Sweden. My background's South American. I'm, my mum's... My mum and dad, they're both Chilean. Um, yeah, I grew up in Europe. Mm-hmm. I started. I started kickbox. I started boxing at thirteen, and then moved over to kickboxing at fourteen, and started fighting at yeah fourteen, fifteen, and just stayed on. Stayed just competing kickboxing. I had a great trainer, which was the main reason for me to for me to coach. He was a a, a big role model in my life. He. He took care of me and and really get it really inspired me to want to help other kids and other fighters coming up. So yeah, he was a big big part of what why I do what I do. You know. Yeah, of course. What did you find of sort of the transition from from boxing to kickboxing? Because obviously there's a, there's a bit more range in kickboxing, obviously because of the legs. Yeah, man. Um. Obviously the legs, but it's uh, uh, youth kickboxing is such high pace as well. So it went really well with coming from amateur boxing, training amateur boxing, and then setting up for kickboxing. I was talking to. Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Um, I was talking to a few boxers that, that would fight over in Northern Ireland. So some of them went to like the world championships at, at amateur level and they have like a real good pedigree. In, in youth boxing, they were saying that at the higher spectrum of amateur boxing, like it's very, very close to pro. Like a good amateur will beat one of the lower yeah. pros. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, in Sweden, Sweden had really good... My trainer used to always though, take me back to the boxing gym and, and, and spa boxes. Just because it's, it's, it's a different... Boxing is real... It's an inch game. It's really... it's. If you're off, you, you get tagged straight away, especially by 
<laughs> by the youth back when I was young, you know, which, which is the big difference compared to kickboxing where you can lay off a little bit because you've got the legs to keep people away, you know? Yeah. Where boxing is such hard work rate. What do you think about, you often, for people listening at home, you often hear boxers or kickboxers or, or mixed martial artists, you always hear the term, you know, set and traps. In a very yeah. general basis, what does that actually mean? Seven traps. Like setting traps? Oh, setting traps. Yeah. Um, it could you could yeah, you could basically set up set up a trap for a certain punch that you're seeing, you know. Um you can trap someone by stepping one way, making them step to the other way, so you you, you open up something there. So basically a trap would be creating a pattern and then breaking that pattern. That would be a trap. That's what I would see a trap. I was talking to an MMA fighter and he's just started his pro career. So at the minute he's one and oh, but he came yeah. from a, a boxing background. So he was sparring with, I don't know if you would have heard of them, like, like Jamie Conlon and, and Michael Conlon. So no, I haven't heard of them. They're, they're real big boxers in Northern Ireland, Ireland. So I think oh, uh, my, they Conlon, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's who he was sparring with, and then he sort of fell out of love with, with boxing, and he transitioned in the MMA, and he was talking yeah. about the difference between the two sports, and he was saying with like mm. boxing, like there was a lot more. I don't know what the the right term would be. Like there was a lot more thinking went into it, like sequences, because he was saying like when yeah. he if he started say having success on the feet in MMA, it would just be the other person shooting for a takedown. Exactly. And in, and in boxing, the thing is, you might be trapping him, but he's trapping you. You know? Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of thinking goes into it. Yeah, a lot of thinking. What would be your favourite out of, out of all the disciplines? I love coaching boxing for that same reason. I love kickboxing myself, as in, like, if I would fight, I would I would like to kickbox. I just like the intensity, the kicking. But in coaching aspects, I, I love I love the hands. Yeah. I love the footwork. There's there's so much you can explore with it. I can't remember. And a lot of MMA. Yeah, sorry. No, you go ahead, man. You go ahead. A lot of a lot of MMA stuff now, where you, where you see a lot of UFC coaches that are having a lot of success, are using a lot of boxing methodologies. You know. Yeah, boxing. Especially, boxing yeah. is one of those uh, one of those sports that like you can make your opponent look very very silly very very quickly. Like uh, I don't know if you ever watched like Billy Joe Saunders. Yes. Do you remember the fight where he was making a mess? And the guy threw yeah. a punch and Billy Joe turned his body and then looked into the crowd and put his hand over his head like a cut where that go. Yeah, that must be so discouraging. Yeah, man, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's what I work a lot with Alan. I do, they, they do a few sessions kickboxing and then we do a lot of, a lot, a lot of setups with the hands and stuff. Footwork, boxing-based. So we mix it up in the style. Because sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you've got to go forward. 
sometimes you can you can have an opponent that you can move around with you can you know yeah and sometimes and sometimes you got to fight sometimes you have to come forward not always about setting up and and sometimes you got to bring the fight you know so so the minute of the MMA, I think like the, the the big move that everybody's talking about is the calf kick. What makes that so yeah. effective? It's 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 a muscle. It's a big muscle on the side of of, of the shin. You you the, you get kicked in the calf and you you can't walk. You know, so that that takes straight away the leg away. You you can't use your foot. Your foot your foot starts collapsing. And yeah, that's. That's how a, a, a lot of a lot of TKOs that are happening right now in MMA. It's a very very famous kick now. It was never used back in the day though. We were never told to calf kick in kickboxing. Yeah, that was that wasn't a thing. So it's a new thing. It's not very. Why do you think there was like a real big transition from, you know, you saw always be when you were kicking, you were kicking to to the thigh. And now it's moved lower yeah. to the calf. What what do you think caused that transition? I think it's more MMA based because in kickboxing and Muay Thai, even if you go to Thailand, that kick is never taught. Mm-hmm. You rather sweep someone. You rather sweep someone that low than kick because that's why you see a lot of breaks. Now you see a lot of breaks in MMA too. I think because man, you're kicking straight into a shin, mm-hmm. and if 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 you got a little tear. You know, a little fracture that going on in the shin. Then, see you later. You're doing a Conor McGregor. Oh man, yeah. There, there's been some horrific ones, like the Anderson Silva one, the Chris Weidman. Oh, there's been horrific ones. Like that's, that's, that's awful when you yeah. see it. Sort of gives you that sick feeling in your stomach. Yeah, that's why a lot, a, a lot with my boys are. We we make sure if if we're gonna be doing those kicks is that we prepare the shins for it. We need to train the shins. A lot of hard bag work, killing the tie pads. You need to get those shins prepared too. It's not about just throwing one or two kicks in training, and then trying to throw it in the fight, not expecting to get hurt. You know, you need to condition those those bones down there. Have you ever seen uh, Wonder Boy's YouTube channel? Oh, I have once or twice, yeah. There's one of the videos that, that he talks about. So obviously he, he's famous for like his karate style. And he talks he talks a bit on his, his YouTube channel about preparing his shins. And he brings out like, I don't know what the correct term for it is. You'd probably be able to tell me. It almost looks like a, a thin like rolling pin. And he's just rolling it up and down his legs. He's hitting his le- legs mm. with sticks. Yes, yes, I know. I've seen, I've seen that. And that, it was I brutal. mean... It is, but you, you you would get the same if you're constantly kicking a heavy bag, keep kicking tie pads, and and it's not about doing that. It's about repetition, right? So yeah, the more the more you kick, the more you get used to. Of course, yeah, yeah. So then, what had you actually move over to Australia? Just a better life just a better life. I came here to visit my father when I was 18 and I just saw, I just fell in love with what I saw and since then I just I always had it in the back of my mind to come to Australia. 
So what is you actually move over then? When did that transition start? Uh, I moved here at 21, so 10 years ago. And you've been here all, ever since? Yeah, yeah, ever since, ever since. So what would be the big differences between Australia and Sweden then? What, what, what were the big differences that you noticed? I guess my life over there was just... Um, well, immig- I came from an immigrant family, so we, how can you say, like, in England they call it estates... So we lived we lived far away from the city. It was a nice life, but it wasn't the life for me. You know, it was a bit depressing. Europe's a bit cold. A lot of days. Totally, yeah. I mean, if I wasn't training, then there's not there wasn't really much anything to do. You know. Yeah, we we went out like uh, a sand back home. It was like Northern Ireland. It's like the the one country in the world where you get four seasons in one day. Yeah, Eddie, yeah, and you, you got you, you would know, like it's it's harsh living in the cold, man. See, man, I, pre- I prefer the cold, it. I prefer the cold, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but you I, see, I, like Sweden is super cold, yeah. Sweden is like, I'm talking minus 15 stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that cold, I don't like that cold, That's yeah. Cold. Yeah, so that was a big factor too, you know. But obviously, there's a there was there's great opportunity in Australia. So good people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I've told I've told this story before, but um, so obviously, I think Northern Ireland, you you be talking anything from like say five to about twenty, it can be any of those temperatures. So yeah. normally, like we'd all be wearing like jeans or a coat, whatever, and we'll go out. But I went over to Kenya, so like I'd be going to church and stuff. And I went over on like a mission trip, and I lived there for like three months. But yeah. Kenya is as known as being like quite a warm place to live, like quite sunny, whatever. But I, I went in their winter time, so yeah. I went over there in their winter, and they're all running about in like big massive coats, like completely freezing. And I'm running about in a pair of shorts and a tank top. <laughs> they must think you're a crazy one, man. Eh? That's it. They're looking at me going like, oh, that person's not right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what's what's a normal day for you look like at the minute in terms of training? Like, are you training seven days a week? What are you doing? Um, I wake up in the morning, I get to the gym and I run my personal training. So I have my little personal training business. That's how I make a living. Mm-hmm. And... I schedule fighters during the day. And yeah, and then I train myself. I do some boxing. And then I run my classes at night. And then back home. And that's what I do six days a week. What are your hobbies outside of of coaching? I just got a dog, actually. So now it's just, you know, all about him, taking him out, go for a walk, you know. I've never yeah. been a beach person, so start taking him to the beach and yeah, just create more um give give back more a bit to more to my home life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We lose it when we do when we're trying to do what we gotta do. Yeah, man, that's it's, it's sometimes it's it's hard to, to find a balance when you're when you're self-employed between you know home life and work like it's it's hard. Yeah, especially if you want to 
if you want to get somewhere in life, right, you have to you have to put so much time and effort to actually try and do that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your goal for the future then? My 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 goal would be to have my, my own academy, my own gym. Mm-hmm. Um, my own little home, my own spot. And would you would you like to be the quote unquote like head coach? Me? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so would would you want to have like your own team of fighters and stuff? And yeah, that's yeah. that's always been my passion. Yeah, um, work with fighters and have fighters work with with students. You know. Yeah, I've seen. Um, what do you think about this? So I've seen a few different takes on it. So there's some gyms where they would mix like the the, the pro and amateur. They would mix almost. That's how I grew up. Yeah. Was that, what, is that yeah. what you prefer then instead of just pro-only classes? <clears throat> Look, it depends what 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 the message is, right? So I like that because that creates a sense of team that everyone's equal and everyone's there to help each other because everyone gets to the point where everyone's been there where they didn't know what they were doing. And it, it's it's a great feeling if you have another man uh, that, that's, that's experienced, that, that has a bit more, more years than you, come in and give you a hand, you know? That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I, it, it, it depends, though. It also depends. I mean, if, we, if we're an active team where we're fighting all the time, then, yeah, that's different because we, we need to be elevating our, our game, right? I could be completely wrong when I say this, so I can be corrected by anyone if you think I'm talking crap. I think Jackson yeah. Wink for a long yeah. time mixed classes. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So I remember there was a story that was told, and it was like uh, John Jones was um, doing sparring, but like, yeah. it was like amateurs were also sparring John Jones. Obviously, John Jones was holding back. Yeah, and that's what but, I do with the boys. Yeah. yeah, sorry, but but the story was basically one of the one of the guys was sparring John Jones. He, he was quite a big guy, but he wasn't pro. He was just an amateur, and he started trying to push the pace with John Jones, and he hit him very very hard, which was unexpected. So he he clipped John Jones, and John Jones basically just stopped the the entire practice, and was like, "Listen, like I, I I'm not here for that. You know, I've got a fight yeah. coming up. I can't be getting hurt." And he just walked away and he embarrassed the guy. Like, but what would be what would be your take on that? Would you like for, for in terms of like amateur sparring with pros, would you be like just take it easy, you know? Yeah, of course. It and you know that that comes down to also it could have been that the guy was nervous, you never know, having John Jones in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very true. Yeah, that, that's nerve. That, that might have been nerve wracking, and the guy might 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 have been just surviving. And you never know. You never know the the situation there. What I like to do when I mix them up and they spar is that I try to tell my fighters to to try things on am- on, on 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 amateurs. You know, the the pros work with them and try things that we practice, like setups, traps, and you do that with beginners because there's a highly more chance that they'll fall for that. And 
and then you create a, a habit of it and then you can transfer that to to someone to your level mm-hmm. if you understand what i mean yeah they can make the sort of muscle memory yeah 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 because sometimes when you learn moves if someone's coming at you 100 miles an hour and and he's got the same experience it's hard to pull off things so you got to uh, take it back a little bit more yeah actually right. i think it's i think it's the same as it's the same as a lot of sports like yeah, like in terms of, like i played rugby my entire life i don't know would you know much about rugby yeah yeah a little bit so like when we were trained and stuff we would have done like so we split up in the forwards and backs backs were like the, the, the fast ones but in terms of that we'd be doing like moves and moves and training but we'd be almost running it at walking pace you just so everyone knew what they were doing everyone knew what they were selling like if you're going to pretend to take the ball and crash you know you were really selling it and then we'll gradually increase the pace and then once we got that move you know drilled down then we bring in live opposition so whether that's like yeah. a, a younger age group or whether that's the seniors bringing another, bringing another age group, and then that's still sort of only seventy five percent. And then when we get that down, then it's putting it into like a match situation. Exactly, that's right. And you've already created little, little, um, you know, understanding of what you're doing. So now you can do it in a, in a real life if someone's coming for real. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you've got that muscle memory. Yeah. Everyone knows their job. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's good if you have a team with pros and amateurs. It it it, it teaches the amateurs how to spar because a lot of pros know what they're doing, so they work with the people. They work with the amateurs. They don't they don't put it on them. You know. Yeah. So it, it it benefit it benefits everyone in 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 some kind of way. Yeah, I've talked to a few fighters about that, and and they were saying that you know when when it comes to sparring with amateurs. It's it's almost like it can be a wee bit unexpected. Like it's a nerve wracking experience for them because it's probably the first or second time that they've ever put their hands up in front of someone, and that can be like a real nerve wracking experience. Hmm. A hundred percent. Sparring ain't easy, man. I'm sure, man. I'm sure. <laughs> I went to my first Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class. Yeah. Um. Oh man, it was an absolute disaster. Oh, was oh was it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Went to the class. Everyone was really, really nice, friendly, whatever. So go, go to, <laughs> let's go into this class. And it, it was my first night there. And I was like, they were all training with the game. And I was like, I want to get fit for a rugby game. So I'm just going to go to this, you know, try and get my cardio up, do something a wee bit different. Because I find, for me, I find like running a wee bit boring, like a wee bit tedious. So I was like, oh, I'll go do something else. Yeah. So I went to this class, they were doing their drills, whatever, that was grand. And at the end of the class, they were like, right, we're going to do um, a takedown drill. And it's just like, winner stays on. And the coach comes to me and he says, right, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. You know, you can just watch because I know it's your first night. I was like, yeah, happy days. That's fine. So it was just, it was just, um, everybody was white belts there. But they'd all had maybe like, 10 to 15 weeks experience and this was like my very first night so they were doing like three classes a week or something and <laughs> there was some big massive fella he must have been about six four six five he looked like a viking <laughs> no big massive long beard quite stocky big guy and they were all like in a line and somehow i i wasn't planning on doing it. i ended up being in the front of this line and the guy beside me goes oh like are you going up against him next and I was like, no, man, I'm just going to watch. 
And he goes, oh, for flip's sake, like, I don't want to go against that guy. I was like, yeah, I'll go against him because he's just training. So went against him. And the first thing he says, I mean, like, he was joking. He goes, I'm going to F you up. <laughs> no way. Right? And then, <laughs> so I'm standing, I'm standing like this guy's like, right, I've played rugby my entire life. So I'm just going to quickly try and grab his leg. So I think that's what I was thinking in my head. And like, he bent down and I quickly like just grabbed his leg, left him really quickly and he fell. I say, Alpha oh, Puppy Days, everybody started cheering. I think I'm the big man. <laughs> right? <laughs> next, next guy gets up, big, like a tall, skinny kid. I'd say he's probably about 24, 25. Just about the same age as me. And uh, same thing. I was like, right, I'll try and grab his leg here. So I quickly tri- went and grabbed his leg and he put his hand like on my, uh, you know, like the gay. And yeah. he started spinning in a circle while hopping on one leg. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm starting to lose my grip here. So I tried to lift his leg higher to make him fall. And as I was lifting his leg higher, all this weight went onto my right knee. And as oh, he no. was falling, mate, something happened and my knee just popped. Oh. And I'm, I'm lucky at the minute because I'm not entirely sure what I've done. Because over here, we are on, like, NHS. So, like, all of our health care is covered. But it's a wee bit longer waiting times instead of private. So oh, well. the thought of blew me ACL at first because the swellings went down. They think I've only sprained me MCL, man. But like I, oh, came, I, came, I, I came home that night and I'll, I'll be my wife. She was like, you're never going to that class ever again. You can't afford to be taking time <laughs> off work. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh, man, yeah, that was, that was a disaster. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared of that, of that stuff. Uh, I tried I it a few times when I was younger too, and some yeah, some guys if they just pulled that arm a little bit harder, I would have snapped my elbow so many times. Yeah, I was I was I was a disaster. It was one of those ones I did not I did not expect it. It was just whatever way he fell, it blew mm. something. It was, like, I've done my ACL before. I, I've done my ACL playing football, and like it's it's like have you ever have you ever tore it like in the No, nah, never. It's Thank like God. the only way I describe it is like it's obviously it's very very sore, but you hear like this distinct pop, almost. It's like it's like a, a tree branch that snaps. I've heard it before. Yeah, well, that was like my left knee. I heard oh. the pop, and then when I was in that jujitsu class, I heard the pop again, and like seeing my head, I was just like, oh for goodness sake, I got done my ACL again. Like so, the first time I did it, I was um, it took me a year to get the operation. So like I couldn't like. The way it works, I think, is like with your knee, you can do, you can do do almost everything except from like change direction. Like so, you could live like a perfectly normal life without your ACL, but you would never be able to play sport again. Mm. But like you can weight burn stuff. So like I remember like the first year, the first year I was like seeing all my friends, you know, play sport and stuff, and I was watching the sideline. It was horrible, and then the got got the operation at the end of that year. And then it was another year for me of just physio, just building up the strength. And then that was a fine again. I was like, oh, no, I mean, I ain't going through this again. That's what I was thinking yeah, in the class. But luckily, I think, yeah. I think I'm going to be here for another few weeks. I don't know. It just depends how this MRI goes. Are you going to go back to the class? Oh, no, mate. My, my wife would punch my lights out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I can't, can't take the rest, mate, because I, I would... Um, I'd work for the health service, so 
I get uh, six months, I get six months covered off leave and work, you know, for like sickness. Oh, got you. And then if I got if I got hurt again, man, like that's I put my mouse in all jeopardy. So probably not. No, I'm gonna stick the water now. Rugby and football, yeah. I'll be up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be scary. That happened again. I know, man. I know. <laughs> but one of one <laughs> of the things that you can't if you're gonna play sport at any level, like I see, it's not to expect injuries because it's gonna happen at some stage. Yeah, and in a way that you would never expect it. Yeah, man, it's always like freaky accidents. Yeah. So the last because la- you're not you're not ready for it. Yeah, the last time, um, you know, like those like four G pitches, like yeah. the artificial like the artificial grass. So yeah, they did like a big massive study into artificial grass, and you know, like the way a lot of people would wear like blades on their feet, like when they're playing sport, yeah. you know, like like it was uh, they're not metal, but they're like that plastic sort of material. Yeah, apparently they're they're really really bad because like you know the way if you're playing on grass, grass gives way if yeah. you hurt. Yeah. So like it would move about. Well, like that's that stuff doesn't move. So if your foot gets stuck and planted, that's what causes the knee injuries. Oh. Like, like knee injuries are so high on those pitches because your boots, your feet almost get stuck. Got you. In, in the ground for like a split second, and that's what causes like the the turning motion. Right. Yeah. And grass separates itself when you turn. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So it's more common to tear your knee on a 4G pitch than it is on grass. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's... that's I started looking at that stuff when I hurt my knee the first time. So I was um, playing football and I was sort of just like shielding the ball. And, and someone pushed yeah. me in the back and they didn't... There was no malicious intent behind it or anything, but just pushed me in the back and my foot got stuck on the ground. But my body turned. And then mm. that's what caused the pop wow. because it didn't give away. Like if I had to be on grass, I would just fail. Yeah. My partner's happened. She did that playing hockey on turf too. Was hockey she wearing boots? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's so dangerous. You see now, I don't know if it'll be the same in Australia, but you'd see like wee signs about what type of shoes and all you're allowed to wear. And there's a big study into it at the minute. Yeah, that's scary. That. And that's why I stopped playing football. Yeah. What age did you stop playing football? Pardon? What age did you stop playing football? At 19? 18? Yeah. Because my trainer was like, you either got to choose that or I can't risk you getting injured. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. What position did you play? Yeah. I was uh, left middle or middle middle. Okay. And did you support a football team? Pardon? Did you support a football team? Barcelona. Barcelona. Do you still follow yeah. Barcelona? No, I don't. I don't watch the the time frames here, you know. Yeah, at the minute, I don't know if you far like Barcelona is going through an absolute horrific time. Oh no way. Yeah, so do you know the way like they had Messi and stuff? Yeah. So Messi was getting paid, I think it was something like 750 grand to 1 million a week. What? Yeah. And then Griezmann as well. They signed him from Atletico Madrid and they were paying him like 750 grand a week. They were signing like all of these massive superstars and paying them like obscene amount of, amount of money. And they, they were slowly like, well, actually very, very quickly mounting up a whole lot of debt. Mm. 
And now, like that club has so much debt. Like they had to get rid of Messi, they had to get rid of Griezmann, they had to get rid of all their star players because the debt was too high. Like all their players have to take pay cuts. Well, but like football's football's different from money. See, like the transfer fees, the salaries, it's mad. Yeah, but it's also just a one percent of that population that's playing soccer too. Yeah, it's like any sport. Yeah, that's very true. You know, you talked about it before. But, what What did you think of? Yeah. Um, what did you actually think about the the Conor McGregor Poirier fight? Did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. What did you think? He wasn't doing bad. That kick was actually landing pretty well. Mm. But um, it would have been a totally different fight if that didn't happen. Do you think he would have won? I I think so. He would have had a good opportunity there. That's the thing with MMA. Like it's it's you you can predict, but it's so hard with those gloves and you know any shot that that gets through might 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 be the last shot. You know. Yeah, I, I honestly, what do you but think? I think he would have wrestled him. He would have. He would have wrestled him. The thing is, Poirier had him on the ground. He would have kept doing that because he was working. Yeah, I don't know if this was the first or second fight. Do you, do you with, remember it was with Poirier? Or no, sorry, the second mm. and third. Sorry, the second and third. It was, um, I think Poirier went in to get him up against the cage and McGregor went for a standing guillotine and then he transitioned it to where he brought it to the ground as a guillotine. I was just so yeah. surprised that he did that because then that led to him being dominated on the ground for like two to three minutes. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know how he he's going about, but... He, he always gets dominated there. He's, I think he's got also reels at the minute. But I mean, with that much money in the bank, I mean, I, I, look, what he's doing is not justifiable when he does all the crazy stuff. But I mean, coming from, I guess, where he came from with no money and struggling and, and to becoming one of the biggest superstars to ever live, I mean... It comes with a price, right? Yeah, of course. I would almost compare it to like the Mike Tyson situation, like Mike Tyson when he was in his prime. Yeah. And obviously Mike Tyson did a whole lot of bad things. Like everybody knows 100%. that. Mike, Mike Tyson tell you that himself. But there was also things that he was being said that he was doing that he wasn't at the, at the same time. It was just people looking like a, a quick payday. Yeah. Like have you ever read his book? No, I haven't. It's a fantastic read, but he, he sort of talks about it in his book about how like every single person that he ever met when he when mm-hmm. he got pro after Gus died had their hand out. You know, like everybody wanted something off him. He talks about his promoters, like his, his promoters somehow got Mike Tyson to sign his rights, like his image rights, over to them. Oh, there was wow. mad things like that. It was um women that he was meeting on the streets were saying that he raped them. And like he said, like he had to pay them off, even if it wasn't true, he had to pay them off because it was so damaging mm. for his, his image. And like he might never, that's never the thing, right? Person. These, these kids come with like from places where you know they're a bit more disadvantaged, so they, they, they have less education. And, and I think you know, a lot of promoters take advantage of all that stuff. They know that they know that these kids have the talent and they just use them. Yeah, man, that's, you 
That's a that's a it's crazy a sad, word. It's a sad thing. Yeah, it's a sad thing. It's an evil world, man. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I remember reading that book, and I, I was thinking to myself, it's like near the end of uh, you know his career finished as a professional boxer, and then he was about to have a child with with his partner at the time. Mm. And this is like he was being sued so many times or whatever. And he was walking through Walmart and he was looking at diapers. And like his his partner at the time was just like, you know, like loading stuff through in a trolley. They just putting stuff in a trolley. And in his head, he was just thinking, like, how am I gonna pay for this? I don't know if I have enough money. And that was like Mike Tyson. Yeah. He really went downhill. It was scary, but he says like the thing that changed his life was uh doing the, the hangover movies. That's what got him back on the right path, like. Yeah, because he's got a he's got a stand up show from that now. I think on on in Vegas. No, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's still doing it, but he had where he where he kind of laughs at his pain. So he does a comedy comedy real talk thing in in Vegas. Apparently, it's quite good. I, I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but apparently, it's quite good. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard the same. Yeah. So another That's question. I, I, I yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say another question I've got for you then is, so after say that you're coaching someone they've had a tough loss or a tough break, you know, how do you keep that person motivated as a coach? I guess it's it's more mental reinforcement, you know. Being in the way where I've I've fought before and I've lost as well, and I know how devastating it is, but you know, yeah. You have to you have to take it as um everything's a learning curve. Nothing's the end unless we underground, right? Mm-hmm. So everything has a solution, and I just try to just reinforce them in the sense of that they, man. If you lose a good fight, you did everything you could, you know. And it, it's just that's what we do. It's it's a battle game. It's not. You know, it's not a it's not a ball sport where you lose and you can go back home and you know this is it's 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 harsh. You get you get you get you get bashed, you get knocked out, you get TKO'd. You know, you really take losses personally. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, because I haven't thought enough about it. But mm. like for in terms of the UFC, start start a night, for example, I think it's mm. like whatever. I'll give it a rough number. I'll say it's 10 grand to show, 10 grand if you win. And there's, yeah, so, there's, there's so many cases of bad judging. You know, yeah. like you've clearly won the fight and then, you know, it's, it's, went, it's went the other way. But yes, yes, you've lost the fight, but it's also the amount of money that you've lost because I know that there's like this, this misconception that, you know, like all fighters are very well off. But especially when you're on, on, on the come up, like a lot of these guys who are coming up are working two jobs. They're trying their very, very yeah, best man. and it's very, very hard. Yeah, and especially like, look, to be honest, like especially fighters in Europe and, and in other countries where they, they have it really tough over there, you know? Yeah. The, the, the economy is not the best and they, 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 yeah, they really need a struggle to, to even live a normal life, let alone fight, you know? Yeah. So it's a hard path, man. It's a very hard way, way of living. 
but that's where I think you have to create good habits in your own life so you can sit back and, and not put all your eggs in one basket. So just just on that, what what do you think about like the the Peter face pay scale? Would that be the same as same as most promotions where like there is a win bonus, so it's like ten grand a show or however many fans there's the show? What, what what was that? What do you actually think about about the pay scales? So obviously, I don't know what way other organizations, but we'll just focus on the UFC. Do you think the UFC should yeah. just be like a like a standard? You know, this is what you get to fight, and that's it. Or do you think there should be win bonuses? Oh, I mean, the bonuses for the knockouts and fight of the night and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree yeah. with those. I agree with those. But what about the, the actual win bonus? Oh, the 10 on top, you mean? Oh, that should be given, I reckon. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're bringing kids from from freaking Russia. You're bringing kids from China, from from Australia, South America, people that leave their whole lives. To come and fight on the biggest organization and they're getting 10k if if they and 20k if they win i mean and then you they, they got to tax that and then you got to pay your team you got to pay to be in america mm-hmm. i mean yeah that's a, should I be a step of tax yeah so yeah get- that's what i mean they get taxed and if you I, I don't know i might be wrong but if you're in a certain state no, that you're right. t- state taxes you as well so you get double double taxed so see when you so say australia right you fight over yeah in america do you then yeah. right, does that fighter then get taxed by the american state and then when they come home they get taxed again by australia uh that i don't know but they double, get taxed in america they, they they get they get taxed in America in America, but I think here you would have to claim it as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, you're bringing. Yeah, it's a hard one. That's a hard life. Yeah, man, it's a hard life. But you know, it, it keeps a lot of people in check. You know, it gives a lot of people that wouldn't have a healthier life and a more positive outlook on life, it gives them a better life, you know? Yeah, it's sad. you often hear that about the discipline. Yeah, discipline and 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 when you when you when you train with a team and it, it gives you a sense of it, it's a support system for the outside life as well, you know. It's a reinforcement for because yeah. really if you if you train every day and you fight for a team, I mean you're hanging with these people every day. So they if you're doing things, these, these people become your immediate family, I guess. Yeah. People you can rely on and, yeah. What was it like for you when, when you made the transition to, to being a coach? Did you start to feel like that like nervous sort of energy, you know, when you're making the walk with, with your fighter and you're on the side of the cage or the ring? What's that experience like? Yeah, it's, it, it's really nerve-wracking because – you know, you of course you trust them, but it also depends who it is. You know, I get more nervous when I walk out with my amateurs than the pros because I know what the pros can do. Amateurs, you know, if they're not switched on, they might get really hurt, and that that's what gives me the nerves. Seeing them get hurt, 
But, you know, but I think it's more about, I get, I get nervous walking because I'm not really our people's, I don't like the spotlight too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's, that's a bit of nerves as well. Yeah. But it's mostly nerves. I just want them to do well, you know, and especially not get hurt in any way. So see after, yeah. for, for the people less than at home, what does after the fight actually look like? Um, is it just like a, well, for example, for, for pros, is it a case of going to the hospital and getting checked over or, or what's that look like after a fight? Oh, they, they check you there. Oh, do and they? If you need, yeah, yeah. And I think if you need hospital, hospital assistance, they take you on an ambulance. And would that would whatever promotion cover your medical expenses like, or, or is that just depends? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure the UFC covers all injuries. Okay. Yeah. And then it's just so you, you'd be in the best of care, like. Yeah, so they'll take care of you. So what, see, yeah, uh, after a fight, how long does it normally get take to get checked checked over, and then do they be able to leave? Oh, everything's straight after. It's it's pretty well. It's crazy. It's like in and out, you know. Even though it looks like a big show, it's still very on time. You're in, you're out, you get checked. You win, you go grab your stuff and you move on, you know. And then what about like all the interviews now after? Um, is that done in the morning or is that done straight away? Or I think, uh, no, uh, interviews in the morning. Mm-hmm. So they go and get all their their fight gear, all that stuff. They go and do the sorry the day before mm-hmm. face offs, and then after the fight is yeah, get in, get checked, get your stuff, walk out, and you walk into to the interview room. Yeah, and it's straight away. Yeah, it was so quick. I, I don't even. I don't even kind of like. <laughs> It was so quick that I didn't catch some moments, you know. With Josh, were you at Fight Island? No, we went to Vegas. Vegas. How did yeah. you find that whole experience? Was there fans? No. Oh, that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. What was there fans when experience. you went? No, it was uh, Apex. Apex. Okay. Yeah, it was in the Apex. What did you find like the the whole vibe with with no fans? Or was it sort of like a, a weird experience? Or it was a weird experience, but you know what? For me, for being the first time in the UFC, it was great because Josh could hear the, the callings. It was good. You could hear, could you could he the fight? You you see everything more intact. There's no noise. There's no people screaming. Josh can hear what, what I'm calling or what. His MMA coach is calling, mm-hmm. you know, his head coach. Yeah, the, the one that thing. Was good. The one thing that I noticed, which is, yeah, it's sort of like a, a weird thing to say, and I don't know if you, you wouldn't feel the same way because you're saying this every day, but as a fan of the sport, and I know that a whole lot of people back home felt that felt the same way, that when mm-hmm. you're watching these UFC f- events with fans. You can't really hear anything other than the commentators talk and like the, the almost like a white noise of fans screaming. 
if that makes sense. And then yeah. when you remove the fans, you can hear the commentators still talking and hear the coaches, but you can also hear the impact of the, the shots. Yeah, and it's such a weird, a weird experience because almost you can hear, almost hear like that the wind, and it's like almost like a baseball bat heading off their leg or every, and and the gloves you hear the gloves differently when you're you're live. Yeah, the man, sound of the gloves when weird. they hit each other. It, yeah, I actually that's what I liked, and that's what Josh said he liked as well. That he, when he 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 would land something, he knew he landed well because he could hear it. See, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Yeah, so he would kick and punch, and he would be like, "Oh, he could hear it." So he felt like, "Oh, okay, I got him real good there." Mm-hmm. I suppose it's the same yeah. as that you can hear that you can hear the Winston when you hit them a body shot, or or you can hear the breathing. Exactly. But for like a fan, from like a fan's perspective, it, like it almost made like something that's already so real, even more real. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like you're going out to the freaking to the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I'd love no, to hear hear your thoughts on that, some fights coming up. Yeah. So we've got Dan Hooker versus Islam. Oof. That's a good one. I reckon he'll get wrestled by that guy. Well, Islam's I- a machine. Yeah, well, that's what he said. I think he did an interview there. I seen a pop up on. Uh, I was either Instagram or Facebook. He came out and he says the only way Islam's winning is if it goes to decision, and that's just because he, he's wrestled me. Yeah, but you can't sleep on on Islam stand up. It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Do you think a stand up's as good as Dan Hooker's? No. They're, those boys are. That's what they do, you know. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you thought about this. Volk versus Ortega. Which one? Volk versus Ortega. Oh, man. How good did he look? Volk is a different species. That guy just gets gets better and better with with every 10 seconds, 20 seconds. And you see he's always... He's very good at, at, with movement, always setting them up, trapping them. He's He does a lot of that fainting. So I had um, I had Frank and George Hickman on the podcast, and they would work a wee bit with him. Well, Frank Frank would yeah, do yeah. all his wrestling and stuff. And Yeah, I met them in America. Oh, they're, they're, they're good guys. Like, Frank's, Frank's mom, yeah. he's funny. <laughs> yeah, they're funny fellas, man. Great fellas. Yeah, so like I, I was talking to them and I've talked to them a few times over Instagram and stuff and uh, had them on the podcast and it made me like root so hard for them in, in that fight. Like it, it's weird. Like see when you start to talk to these people and you know them, like it makes you root even harder for them. Yeah, and they're good guys, man. They're real humble people. <laughs> uh, even even Alex Volkanovski, man. They're all really good. I, I met Alex in Vegas as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Great people, man. I've seen um like his Instagram and stuff and his coach's Instagram and like the amount yeah. of work that he does with like kids that are coming into his gym and all like it's great. Yeah. But he looked he looked absolutely phenomenal in that fight. And I thought like he was completely dominating it and then he got hit. What was it with? It was like it was a guillotine, wasn't it? Oh, I thought he 
I thought he was going to go, man, and he just came out of it. That's it. He just gritted the teeth and he was out, and then he got hit with another one. What, what was the other one he got hit with? With with another guillotine. Another guillotine. No, nah, it was a no, no, no. It was a triangle. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's I was trying to rack my brain to think about what it was. Yeah. And he got out of that as well. And then you're like, man, he's, yeah. he is a different breed. And then I was thinking, like, I think he could be champion for a long time. I can definitely see that. Yeah. I think, I think him and Max is definitely going to happen again. That would be that would be a trilogy, yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be two and zero though for folk. But yeah. people people have said that um, it could have went either way. You know, like they could you could have had Max up as well. Yeah, I think he 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 didn't beat him clearly though, though to actually gain that that title. Yeah, I really like what he just he just comes across as a as a good guy. And have you ever seen his uh, his pictures from his rugby playing days? Oh yeah, big man, eh? <laughs> Round face. And now now he's fading out. Uh, is it one forty five? Yeah, I mean, that's mad. I wonder I if he's mad. I wonder. If, I wonder if his intensity comes from that too, you know, being a high-level rugby player and, you know, it's a tough sport too. I'm sure he was playing league. Like, league is league's different. Yeah. So normally, like, in union and league, like, so, like, league players tend to be bigger just yeah. because that they tend to be bigger and quicker because that's what the space demands. Like, they're running and crashing. You have five attempts to get over the line. Mm. And then unions just like they're more durable. Yeah. Okay. I get you. Just because of all the rocks and scrums and stuff, you don't get that in league. League's more like you make a tag out, you stand up, you reset. And you go. And then you go. But like the impact, see the impacts in league, that they're massive. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of choke tackles, a lot of heading up near the chest. While in yeah. union that's frowned upon big time. Because the, the risk of injury is so high. Yeah, man, I, I see these kids here that play rugby, man. They're massive. Yeah. 15, 16-year-olds. These kids are animals. Well, I couldn't... So I, I played I played for Randall's time. We were we were okay. But one of the guys that I played with, he was called mm. Adam McBurney. Um, he went on and he, he represented Ireland under 20s in like the World Cup. Ireland got to the final. He was voted the best in the world at his position. Yeah, in this like tournament, wow. um, he went on and played for Ulster, which was a professional level. He's not, he now he's playing over in Edinburgh again, professional. And I think the transition they want him to make the move to play for Scotland. Okay. And I remember playing with him at Randallstown, and like you know, like have you ever like met someone and you can just tell straight away that that person's special and what to do? Yeah. Like I've never seen anything like it. Like I remember. He, someone ran into him, and he held this guy up like so. It was like almost like a choke tackle, but he was holding his whole body weight up, and he was stopping the ball. So he was going to win us the penalty because he held the guy up. And then a few of his, a few of the other guys' teammates ran in and tried to collapse it. And Adam was holding up three big men up by himself at seventeen. <laughs> and you're like, this this kid is special. Yeah. And like I remember in training. Breeds. Oh man, I remember in training like we're doing tackling drills. And I remember it was like me against him, and I remember tackling him. And I honestly thought that he dislocated my shoulder. 
because he hit me oh. in the heart and you're like he's something like else brick wall he's just something else yeah but I'm sure you've seen those people as well like with, with pros that you've trained and you're like man this, this guy's just built differently yeah there's, there's some people that are genetically just freakish yeah and there's nothing more freakish than a big athletic guy you know yeah, that's where that's that's where Wilder can. That's why that guy is dangerous. Even though he moves, he doesn't really have a, a good um, sense of rhythm. He's just so athletic, and when he punches, he punches so explosive and so committed that if they land, they they hurt. You know, I, I love Wilder's story. Yeah, it's great. You know, getting in the boxing because his daughter had spina bifida. Getting in because of that, and back. Do you remember when Tyson Fury was coming out of almost retirement and it was like when he was doing all the drugs and stuff and he was depressed and he was very, very overweight? Yeah, and Wild, Wild, Yeah, like Wilder started calling him out. Yeah. Well, Tyson Fury then fought on one of Card Franklin's card. Card Franklin would be like one of the big boxers over over here. Yeah, so yeah, Card, Franklin, Card, Franklin. yeah. Franklin was the, the main event. Tyson Fury. I don't know if Tyson Fury is fighting on the undercard or not because he was only coming back. He was still very, very heavy at this stage. And he was fighting in the Odyssey, but Wilder came over to Northern Ireland because one of his teammates was fighting on the same card. And but it was also a chance for him to, you know, be at ringside when Fury was fighting. He like sort of build it up that way. But oh, uh, wow. there was a family in Northern Ireland whose child had like spina bifida as well. And they sent Deontay Wilder a message just out of the blue, you know, just like a shot in the dark to see if he could help. The man yeah. got involved in Northern Ireland. Um, he, I can't remember exactly what he done for the child, but I remember like the Instagram videos, and I think he helped them out financially. But there's like a video with him and the family, and he's like crying as I like he's crying like as a big, big, massive boxer. Like he's crying in front of this family, talking about his daughter. They're talking about their story about about their daughter as well, and it's just like a real nice, you know, just a real nice moment. And you can see that he, he is a real good guy, like. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's all a business, man. And I guess you got to put up a face to to make that money. You know, but I think at the end of the day, they all they're all like us. They're humans. They have families. They love. They feel. You know. Yeah, man. I I got so much respect for him, but like in the same breath, I don't know if you heard about the Nando's incident. The what? Nando's. No. So, do you know what Nando's is? The chicken place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... Yeah. <laughs> so, Deontay Wilder's team, and uh, they all went to, like, a big shopping centre in Northern Ireland. Um, they went to Nando's. Nando's is on the top floor of the shopping centre, so it's about, it's about four four floors up. And yeah. uh, they're all eating chicken, whatever they're doing, they're all eating. And Billy Joe Saunders, obviously, he's very good friends with Tyson Fury. He went into that restaurant... Threw a piece of chicken at Deontay Wilder and caused absolute carnage. Oh no! Turned into like a full rat in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that was all yeah, like that would have <laughs> been on. Well, was that? I think I think he he dipped. He dipped as soon as he threw it. He threw it and then left. <laughs> <laughs> the fire starters. That's it. So I'll leave, you, I'll leave you with a couple more fights and then I'll let you go because I know it's, it's probably getting quite late where you are. Yeah, yeah. So 
who have you got in Chandler versus Gaethje? Chandler versus Gaethje? Ooh, mm. That's a banger of a fight. I think uh, so. I'm going to go with Gaethje. I'm going to go for Chandler. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I like, uh, I don't know. I just really like him. I, I mean, if I, I don't think Gaethje would, if they're close range and they're, they're exchanging, I feel like Chandler is way stronger if when he exchanges. Gaethje's got a chin on but, him though as well. Yeah. But Gaethje's stand up and his game is just, he's another freak. He understands it on another level as well. Who says coach now? Is it Trevor Whitman? Trevor Whitman. You notice that since he's moved to that camp, something that he's added into his game quite a bit, and it works it works really well, is his leg kicks. His leg kicks are phenomenal. Yeah. And the and pressure. That's what it is. He, the pressure. He, tra- he, tra- he trains a lot. They train a lot. Because um, I watch a bit of, of Trevor Whitman, and it's all positioning. Yeah. Find a good posi- find a good position and you strike from that position. Pull your opponent in a position where they 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 can't answer, they can't come at you. What do you think of Chandler's movement? You know, like in those like opening exchanges, it's almost like he bobs and weaves like he's a boxer. Yeah, I think because of his his sheer size, you know, his little, he's short, stocky. Yeah. He brings the power from the ground. Just like, you know, what he did with Hooker. And if you see with Hooker, he was setting that left hook the whole time, throwing mm-hmm. that big right hand to the body. Yeah. Was it? And then came over the top. And he exploded from afar. Like, he fainted from far out and then exploded with that left hook. Yeah, he closed the distance very quickly. Yeah, and, and, and Hooker is not a short guy, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they fought again, do you think if they fought again, it would go a different way? I don't know. It's you know when you you know when you when a fighter loses to a fighter, there's something about that person's always gonna have a little bit of a mental be on top of you, you know? Yeah. And so it's look at Pori and Connor, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Once yeah. you look at look at look at um Holloway and, and Alex. Once you lose once, it's pretty hard to you know. Yeah, it's like that whole mental almost like a mental block almost. Yeah. But I mean also that that's why it's so interesting at that level because they are professional at what they do and they can they can, you know, steer their mental differently than other people. Well in terms of in terms of like percentage, you know, when, when two yeah. of the guys say in the top ten fight against each other, and in terms of skill, is there is there much difference or is it in very, very small margins? It's small, but it's a small it's a oh from the top and the top and the ten. Yeah. That that's where you would say, I don't know if you would agree, but that's where, like, for example, you would have your elite fighters, you know, like Alex Volkanovsky is elite of his division, meaning that he's he's very far off, far away from the other fighters. That's why he he's been reigning for so long. Yeah. Or like Jose Jose Aldo, you know. Yeah. They're, they're elite. Canelo, you know, they're elite at what they do. They they're gonna reign for a long time. They 
they're further they're further further away like they're more advanced than the rest they just have a clear understanding of of, of fighting yeah no no I, t- I tend I tend to agree obviously the re- there's a few of them who have reigned for for a long time I think probably the best example is John Jones yeah yeah the, yeah exactly and, and between him, him and the and and if you see like he, he would fight at number one and his skill level compared to number one is still so big so imagine two number five number ten yeah, I think John Jones is just very good at what he does. Like you probably be able to talk about this a lot better than I ever could. But it's like the, the whole way he stands, it's the long fingers, you know, outstretched, always aiming at yeah. it is quite dirty, like like aiming it towards the face or brushes <laughs> brushes near the eyes. Um the And that's it. And that's what it is. Fighting is is it's having the tricks that'll that'll you know give you the advantage. Yeah, he's got and he's, he's got that weird like the weird kick to the knee. Yeah. I saw him fight in Sweden when uh-huh. I was very, very young. Was it against Goss? Yeah, that first fight. It, was it his first fight? Yeah, it was against... Who did you just say? Gustafsson, was it? No, 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 no. This is way back. Oh, way he fought back? that guy that had that big fight with Forrest Griffin. They had that banger of a fight. Uh, hold on. Let me. Let me look. There's so many people. Um, let me see. It's in, it's it's in the beginning of his career. Give me a second. I think it was in the card where Rich Franklin fought Anderson Silva. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling up his. I'm just pulling up his record here. Let me see. Do you know who who was the main event? I think it was Rich Franklin against Anderson Silva. Let me see. All right, so we've got. Um, Stefan Bonner yes was that it that was the one that's, yeah Stefan Bonner that's the first time I saw John Jones fight and he pulled off that he gripped it the spinning elbow the suplex yeah and he just he destroyed Bonner yeah there's so many there's so many great fights that he's had I fought the one where yeah. he was up against Gustav and that like I could have went either way yeah. Um, but he just or his loss. What, what did you think about his? Do you ever remember his loss? To yeah, the twelve Muhammad? o'clock over. Yeah. What What did you think about that? Like, what, what What's your opinion? Fuck, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know about the twelve o'clock elbow, but I mean, it's allowed in Muay Thai. <laughs> but I mean, you're oh. already elbowing. I don't know. It might. It, it might be because it might be more of a deadly move because the route of the power is down straight you know up down straight I think that's that's what the the discussion of that um, rule was that he that shot is way too powerful and lethal yeah from from what I like, I know very little about this but I remember listening to um, the Joe Rogan podcast mm. and he was talking about it and he says the reason that that move was banned was because the commission mm. saying like uh, they were doing like demonstrations and people were like breaking blocks of ice, you know, with this elbow, and it, oh. made, it, made, it made them get rid of it. But then he was saying like it is completely absurd 
that they've gotten rid of that because they, you can axe kick someone. You can kick someone yeah, in the face with I mean, your shin. So. Yeah, or you can just fly elbow someone, you know? That's it. Like, there's so many worse things that you can do to someone. And that obviously is quite brutal. Yeah. But, like, I, that's why, like, it's, it's, I, hard, it's hard to deny John Jones that he is the GOAT, like, because, like, undefeated. And, like, you look at the resume of people that he's fought. Like, oh. he won the title so young. 22, was he? 21? 21, 22. Like, like well, maybe you say that's right. So, his first fight in, in the UFC was against Stefan Bonner. So, that's, that's quite, I think that's quite a hard fight for anyone coming into the UFC for the first fight. Or what was the yeah, second? They, was the second? Sorry, second. I think his the, his third fight was that fight he got disqualified. I'm pretty sure. No, you're right. Yeah, it was against Matt Hamill. Um, it yeah. was that was in 2009. Then he brought he beat like Brandon Vera, Bader, uh, Shogun, Rampage, Machida, Shad uh, Evans. Vitor Belfort. Golden era fighters. Chael Sonnen, Gustafsson, Texiera, Daniel Cormier. Like, the list wow. goes on. Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes. There's, there's no resume like that. None. None. Like, he cleared out that whole, whole division. He did. Yeah, how he's do you think, the goat. How do you think a fight goes with him and Francis? And Francis Ngannou. Mm-hmm. I think John Jones is too quick and would tag him would tag him and not be there encounter him well, I think, I think the, probably the, the question that I ever, like the, the big question mark is if Francis touching him will he go out oh I think so <laughs> that's so, the other one yeah if you can get near him but then I think I don't know if you would agree with this, but I don't think uh, Stipe gets enough respect. Yeah, I know. But I think, you, do you think maybe it's because obviously he's a great person, but he's just not, I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's that character to put himself out there that much, you know? I think it's because he has quite like a, a deep, rough voice. And sometimes it can be quite hard to understand what he's saying. Like, I, I understand him quite clearly, but that's because I'm from Northern yeah, he, Ireland and I talk pretty fast as it is. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, that. You know, not, that. Not he's that quiet. Much. He's quiet. He doesn't really talk trash. Yeah. He's a good guy. Like, he, he's pretty top guy. Yeah. He's in the fire service and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, but he's, he's, a, he's a powerhouse as well. Yeah, and I've got I've got two more fights for you. Yeah, I'll let you go. So right. I've got this. This is the fight that I'm looking forward to the most. Kobe versus Usman. Oof, Usman. Why? I got Usman. He did it once. That's the same reason there. He'll do it again. He's just such um, watching him fight against that Brazilian guy. Mm-hmm. That that showed that showed that why he's the champion right there, being rocked that way and just staying composed and staying on the game plan, staying on the jab. That's very hard to do when you've been you've been hit and rocked that hard, you know. That was Gilbert Burns, wasn't it? Yeah. Hi, Vegas has neck. Oh, 
Doug. Yeah, I don't know what what that guy's eating, but he's eating good. I don't know. He must be bench pressing off his neck. Yeah, <laughs> it's something. He's working with Whitman as well, and you see Whitman in the corner was saying, "Just keep keep that jab, keep that jab, keep that." And then that's all he did, and he just started destroying um, the Brazilian guy with that jab. I thought the first fight between Kobe and Usman, I had Kobe win it up until we got his jaw broke. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. That was an intense fight. That was great. That's, that's probably it was it was a weird one because it was like both of them are wrestlers traditionally. And that was just like an all-out war. Like no one was shooting for the takedown, like it was just all out. Yeah, it was personal. Yeah, well that's that's very true, yeah. And then the yeah. last the last thing I'm gonna leave you with is uh Canelo versus Plant. Oh, Canelo. My dog's name Canelo, so the Canelo Plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my favorite boxer. What is it you like about him so much? Pardon? What is it you like about him so much? Man, he's overall he's he's a he's he's a complete fighter. He's slick, he's powerful. He's he's fainting. His IQ. He's another. Yeah. He's he's another Mayweather. You know. Yeah. Um, I thought if there was anyone that was going to beat him, it was Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, yeah but that yeah. I mean, he, he handled him pretty comfortably. Yeah, that's what I mean. That the guy is just. That's what I mean. He's an elite at at what he does. You know. That's what Connor was too for a while, you know. You just can't beat them. They just have that edge. Yeah, see, with the whole Connor McGregor thing, I think I think that fight with Mayweather, I'm not going to say, I think I just put a massive hindrance on his MMA career because like, if you look at his early fights, he comes out like in a karate stance. He slides, he moves really well off the back foot, has incredible mm. like one-touch knockout power. And then you look after that Mayweather fight, the way that, for example, like he fought Cerrone and it worked. But then his next mm. fight with uh, Poirier and Khabib, it's almost like a very upright, almost like a boxing stance. It could also be that he's not conditioned enough to have that same style that he used to have. Well, that's, that's very true, yeah. I think it's hard to know. That Bruce Lee type of stance he used to have, that... That was, that's a style where you gotta be real, you know, adaptable to it. And I don't, I don't know, but the seams of the way, he, even his shape, like he doesn't look like he used to look. He, I don't think yeah. he's he's training as hard as he used to train. I've heard, yeah, people, I've he, heard, I've heard people saying like it's very hard to know what's happening because his camp is very closed off. But like the rumors yeah. that came out of his camp was like that. You know, like basically Conor McGregor is his own head coach. Of course. Like I, I love I mean, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is like my number one. Like, like he, ha- he has to be. Like I'm, uh, I'm from Northern Ireland. You know what I mean? Of course. But like it's the the rumors were like he's running his own camps. He, you know, he he trains when he wants. You know, he's getting he's training in the middle of the night and all. That's just the way, yeah, he, the way I mean, he wants to do it. And he probably needs a stronger character. No, I'm not saying that John's not a stronger character, but he probably needs someone in there. Like he, at the very, very start, the way John was with him. Probably now he's just got too much money and it's just like, what's the point? 
Yeah, and he looks like a wild case. Like, he needs someone to be tainting him and bringing him back to earth, you know? Yeah, man, he's, the stuff that he is posting on Twitter is complete madness. <laughs> someone needs to take his phone off him. <laughs> how, how do... um? Uh, I wanted to... Uh, Ask you this: How how do you how is he liked in in Ireland? Is is he liked? Is he disliked? Or it's like Marmite? He either love him or you hate him. It's it's okay. weird. It's like um, at the very very start, I think everybody loved him, and then you had like so many incidents come out, and like just just with any big superstar, you had so many people coming out and saying that he was doing like all these these horrible things, like. I'd say right. The, the first example would probably be. Do you remember like there was an incident outside the bar, and someone was filming, getting up in his face, and then Conor McGregor slapped the phone out of the hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was like that, but someone was trying to get a reaction out of him. Then the next one after that was some woman came out in the papers and said that he got her pregnant and he has a kid, but he's not taking anything to do with the kid. There was that. Then there was the old man that he punched. Yeah. Then there was the dolly at the bus, and then like. <laughs> this whole relationship with Khabib and that team, it's almost like very like, I don't know, a lot of the stuff that's said is quite dark between the both of them. Like, it's not like it's just like a back and forth banter. It's more like it's, it's quite dark. It's quite, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird. But I mean, if you're a superstar and you're being patronized and, pe- and being set up and being used for your money, I mean, it would create another beast as well, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's very true. But like a lot of people... A lot of people love him. A lot of people hate him. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I find him super entertaining to watch. I well, mean, is, I yeah. know he's. I mean, he, I know he says some crazy stuff, but I mean, the guy is the show. Like yeah. <laughs> he he brings he brings the he brings the fight. I mean, and l- l- like him or not, he he comes to fight. You know. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I say that's about most of them, but like I feel. From stuff that you see, you see Conor McGregor's like interaction with his fans and stuff, and he seems like a real down to earth good guy. Yeah, but then there's like the other things that you see with him, and it always seems to be like in bars or when he's out or when he's had like a wee bit of drink. He, yeah. I mean, he, he turns he's... into someone completely, completely different. <laughs> yeah, he he seems to have that a few demons. <laughs> yeah, but. He's done. He done so many. Like he done so many things over here for, for MMA. Like beforehand, like Northern Ireland and Ireland was well known for, for their boxing and golf. Like we had Rory McIlroy, who was competing at the highest level yeah. in golf, and then um, obviously like you had Carl Frampton, Conlon for the boxing, a lot of world champions in boxing. Like that was like that was like the big sports for us, and that in football. Like there was no real MMA gyms are very unheard of. Like where Alan trained with Rodney Murray, yeah. that was like pre Conor McGregor. Like so, like Rodney's like one of the OGs. Like Rodney's was one of the first. Yeah, in Ireland. there was like four of them. There was like four people in Northern Ireland and Ireland who all trained MMA. Mm. And then see after Conor McGregor, like sort of came and got really famous. Man, there was like jujitsu places opening up all over the country. There was MMA gyms he- coming to the light. It was just like a massive boom. Because then, like everybody wanted to be like Conor McGregor. A hundred percent. Everyone wanted that money too, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That was the big. That was the big change. I always say it was like it was like pre Conor McGregor. I suppose it's the same as uh, the UFC as well. You know, like before before Conor McGregor, like, they were getting good numbers and they were making good money. But then once he came out, 
like it's he turned a lot of them like now there's people in the UFC who are superstars, but it's because of what he done. Oh, a hundred percent. He brought the 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 boxing business aspect into MMA. Yeah, you know, and he yeah made his what he he'll probably be the first MMA billionaire. I'd say so. I'd say he must be close. Yeah. He must be close. But thank you very much, man, for your time. We'll have to do this again. That's good. Yeah, this is awesome. So I'll get this. I'll get this posted probably in the next next couple of weeks, man. But thank you very much for thank you very much for no, that. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it.